Hello and welcome to My Bright Idea, the stories behind successful small businesses. I am your host, Cameron Glenar. I want to talk with you for a moment about the importance of walking. And I don't mean like good for your cardiovascular, healthy doctor talk type important. I mean, don't get me wrong, that's important too. But I mean, open your eyes to what's around you kind of important walk. Whenever time allows me to, I like to take long walks in and around my neighborhood and town. It's something I've always done. And one of the things I love about it the most is seeing the things around you that you might not have noticed while zipping around in a car. So pretty close to my home, in an area where I sometimes stroll through, there's a building with a big blue sign and a cup for a logo, and the place is called Smart Cups. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking this might be some sort of Bluetooth thing that tells my phone to tell my watch that it might be a good time for me to take a sip of water. So I looked the company up, and I was way off. Smart Cups is actually not about the cup itself, but what's inside the cup. Now, I don't want to try to explain in depth what the product is because the guy you're about to hear doesn't much better than I ever could. But basically, it's this futuristic way of printing your drink onto the bottom of the cup, like inside the cup. You just add water and boom, you've got your drink. And it doesn't just end there. The technology can be used in a crazy amount of ways that'll just blow your mind. And it's all super environmentally friendly. It's bonkers. So sit back and grab your favorite beverage for a chat with Chris Kanick, the creator and owner of Smart Cups. Hey, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. So your company, Smart Cups, is right down the street from me in our little unassuming town of Mission Viejo in South Orange County. And I feel like it might be the most innovative and technological company in our little neck of the woods. Oh, I don't know. There's a there's a taqueria stand somewhere that's doing some pretty innovative things with a tongue and um, chicken feet. Yeah. So I, I kind of have to tip my hat to those people. We're just uh, we're just a uh, simple, simple smart cups just in our little cave, just working away. But I appreciate that. Oh, I don't know about simple, man. Do you mind telling our listeners what your product is? Yeah, so smart cups is a sustainability driven technology company that allows for the printing of active and flavor materials on surfaces. It's meant to be a drug delivery system, uh, initially intended for patients who had difficulty swallowing uh, pills, um, but I commercialized it in the beverage space and uh, we launched with a, a line of energy drinks where the energy drink is actually printed inside of a cup. Um, and so all the end user has to do is add water and in a couple seconds they have the, the, an energy drink, right? Um, but it doesn't, it's not limited to just energy drinks. So we have the ability to print every kind of beverage, you know, personal hygiene products, prescription medication, over-the-counter medications. Uh, vitamins, supplements, uh, industrial materials. Uh, we have an application for water purification where we can print the water purification system right inside of the cup. And so what is the core benefit to the technology and, and why is it sustainable? Um, the ability to print actives and flavors on surfaces allows for a reduction of storage and transportation requirements, which ultimately would reduce, reduce our carbon emissions. So, for example, the, the, the truck that once could only deliver 96,000 12-ounce cans would, would now be able to deliver 1.2 million units 
of the very same product using Smart Cups technology. And so we can distribute more product in less trips. Uh, a recent study done by uh, UCLA found that we're 600% uh, more environmentally friendly than a traditional can or beverage. And there's a 40-fold decrease in carbon emissions by, you know, with the use of our technology. And so, you know, it's a broad application. And if you take that one example of a future application that I, I mentioned previously, the water purification system. So instead of sending a case of bottled water to, let's say, Flint, Puerto Rico, Africa, um, you know, typically 24 bottles of water in, in a case, you know, you could send that same case size with 500 to 1,000 cups. And then you could ship it off to the, you know, let's say a, a a region where you know clean water is needed, they could use their existing water, put it inside of a cup, and now have clean potable water. Um, and so those are some of the bigger picture applications. You know, we've we've spent so much and invested so much in resources in building out infrastructure to provide water across the planet. And so why do we continue to ship it? You know, it's it's readily available. And so by eliminating liquid transportation, we become a more sustainable uh, society. Changing the world one cup at a time. So are you the guy that can take credit for this or were other people involved? Yeah. So um, Smart Cups was actually, uh, I guess the genesis of Smart Cups started at a Taco Tuesday in Mission Viejo. Waitress wasn't coming fast enough with my next margarita and there was a glass of water on the table. And I just, you know, I was with a group of people and everybody's having a good time and place was packed. And I said to myself, you know, how awesome it would be if I just had like a packet of powdered alcohol that I could just put in my water cup. And I said, wow, why hasn't anybody done this yet? And then I grabbed a napkin. I drew out a protocol. Um, everybody thought I was crazy because I then went into my own little world. And the next day I grab a bottle of Everclear and some maltodextrin. I shimmied out my kitchen, you know, some paper clips, some coffee filters, frying pan. Um, I was, you know, successful at, at creating uh, a few different flavors of powdered alcohol. Powdered alcohol. That's a new one on me. So what was your reaction when you first tasted it? Were you like, hmm, that's a tasty beverage? No, my initial reaction was, fuck, I got to clean up my kitchen because I blew up my kitchen. So I was like, well, I can't be the only schmuck who ever came up with this. So I started doing some research about powdered alcohol, realized all the regulatory and taxation issues and safety issues. Um, that led me to an inventor out of Massachusetts. And, you know, I reached out and I said, hey, doesn't I, you know, it seems like you have a solution to my problem. Um, let's work together. And so that was in 2012. And you fast forward now it's 2021. We partnered, we developed the technology for a number of different applications, um, smart cups. We built out the facility in 2017. We went to the public in December of 2017. And so, you know, literally went from my kitchen table to a 23,000 square foot manufacturing facility. We had to build our manufacturing equipment from scratch because there was no, nothing off the shelf that could support this technology and manufacture it. So we built all the initial from scratch. Uh, we're actually at the tail end right now of a, a large scale manufacturing project so that we can produce millions of these cups in different uh, cup size variations and uh, more complex uh, formulations and whatnot in different product categories. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been a, a fun little ride here and it's all, it's all happened, you know, right at Mission Viejo. 
So I got to ask, how hard was it for you to track down the other guy in the world that created powdered alcohol? When I when I when I came up with the powdered alcohol, um, I started doing some research on who else has either tried powdered alcohol or why powdered alcohol is not on to market, you know. And so that led me down a rabbit hole of three months of research and, and contact with uh, an individual who tried to commercialize powdered alcohol. I would say in like 2010, 2009, and I reached out to this person and. He seemed like he was independently wealthy and he was yachting off the coast of some country. And I finally got a hold of him and I, I simply asked him, I said, hey, you know, you try to do this. Why? Why did you stop? And he said, well, stop being fun. You know, each state has a different alcohol law. It's, it's almost going to be impossible to get you know, approved. And I said, OK, well, I guess that's that. And he said, but there is a guy out of Massachusetts that claims he has a solution to make it come to to fruition. And I said, great. Well, can you give me that guy's number? He says, ah, don't bother. He's an asshole. And he's very difficult to work with. And I said, well, I like assholes. So can I have his contact anyway? So that, <laughs> so he gave me his contact and that's, that's how it all came to fruition. And so, you know, South Celeste and I, we partnered together uh, to, to really develop the printing technology because he, his intention was really for, for pharmaceutical applications, but I had all these ideas. And at the time when I reached out to him, he didn't know that I had a chemistry background. He just thought that maybe I was just some, some crazy guy just reaching out. But through the course of the years, you know, we, we've, we've bonded and, and we've created a close relationship with one another. Yeah. Well, having a business partner that's on the same wavelength as you is super important. So a lot of people come up with ideas, but having the actual knowledge to execute it and create a business out of it, especially something this advanced, that's, you know, it takes something special. So what kind of background do you have that enabled you to do this? Well, I took my first chemistry class at Montclair State University in New Jersey. I was I was 10 and that really opened me up to a lot of possibilities I started working in an analytical lab when I was 12, studying the degradation of aspartame in diet sodas at room temperature. And so then that research project, that was in the seventh grade. Um, and so, you know, I'm 12 years old and I'm learning how to use an HPLC machine and, and, you know, learning analytical chemistry and whatnot. And then that led me, I was 14 and I went to Rutgers University and started doing research there in the Department of Nutritional Sciences. And you know, started dissecting mice and running all sorts of assays. And that opened up my, my eyes to the possibilities and potential of, you know, working in, in a lab. And, you know, it was fun. It was exciting. Then, you know, I got invited to a lot of symposiums and science fairs and one bunch of those. And then, you know, at 18, I worked on a NASA funded research project developing biologically based nanorobots. And so, you know, self-maintaining, self-replicating, so this was back in like 2001, 2002. And then in like 2003, I decided I was at Cornell, you know, I was an American Chemical Society scholar. And I just said to myself, you know what? Fuck this. I'm burnt out. I'm done. And I decided to become a stand-up comic. So I was a stand-up comedian for about, you know, seven years and, you know, started out in New York City, did a bunch of improvs, if not all the improvs, you know, went overseas, did big auditoriums and whatnot. And then, um, yeah, and then I, I ended up in Southern California. I signed on to do uh, a TV show. It didn't work out. And I came up with this idea at, at a time where I was at crossroads in my life. 
And it's just spawned into this. So totally normal childhood, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, where most kids are playing baseball and riding bikes, I was uh, learning how to blow shit up, you know. So. And it was interesting because when I was in the fifth grade and they said, oh, you know, they went to my mom and they said, here's a course catalog, you know, let him pick what he likes. You know, I didn't I didn't know what the hell was going on, I, you know, and all I knew is I liked MacGyver and I wanted to learn how to blow shit up. So I picked chemistry. You know, I could have picked fucking basket weaving and I would have been considered a, a basket weaving prodigy. You know, now that I'm older and I think back to my school days, I feel like if I knew then what I know now, I would have all the girls and straight A's. Is that something that you feel like came naturally to you back then? I mean, the grades, not the girls. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say that I was the best student because I always, I tended to get into uh, a lot of mischief and I was never really satisfied <laughs> with what was going on around me. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't grow up. Neither one of my parents went to college and we, you know, for all intents and purposes, we grew up, I grew up poor, right? And, and I shared a bedroom with my two younger brothers and we lived in an apartment building and in, in not a very nice place in New Jersey and, you know, right outside of Manhattan. And, you know, I always, you know, it, for me, it was like working hard. And if I had the ability that I just wanted to get out of my situation, right? And so when I was in college, I always thought like, I'm working with house money at this point, And I'm just trying to get out of my current situation. I never thought of myself as a entrepreneur. I actually don't like that that title. I don't like that term. And so I never thought of myself as a business owner. I never had aspirations to be a business owner. I, I, I simply just wanted to get out of my situation as a child. And it just, you know, life, you know, life is not linear, <laughs> right? And so there are ups, there are downs, there's sideways. And, you know, it looks like a, a two-year-old scribbled on a piece of paper. And so that's, you know, it just led me led me to where I am right now. And so now, you know, Smart Cups, 23,000 square foot facility. We have great opportunities, potential for, you know, white labeling and sub-licensing and from some of the larger um, consumer product companies. And, you know, it's, it's very humbling. And it's, you know, sometimes I have to pinch myself because it all seems very surreal. It, kids that kids that come from where I come from don't do this kind of stuff, right? I, you know, I have a bunch of employees that uh, rely on me. And I never thought that that would be the case. Well, who knows? Maybe you can be an inspiration to those kids to act on their ideas. Now, what was involved in building out your mad scientist manufacturing laboratory to start pumping these cups out? Well, the issue was I realized that powdered alcohol, there were all these regulatory safety and taxation issues around and around it, right? And so selling loose powder alcohol it is probably never going to occur, you know, because regulatory bodies aren't going to allow it. But the printing of it was very fascinating because my mind instantly went into all the different applications to it, you know, pharmaceuticals and uh, life-saving medications and, uh, you know, the concept of water purification. So my mind went crazy and I, I always like to do cool things. And this presented a very cool opportunity to do something that no one had ever done before and to bring a technology that had never existed before and to commercialize it was a very exciting prospect to me. And to have a positive impact on, on the planet was very enticing to me. Let's put it that way. 
Well, when you have an awesome idea and a revolutionary product, like you have, that's one thing. But when doing good for the world is part of your mission, that'll really take you a long way. Now, let's talk about getting this out there to the public. Was there a lot of trial and error involved in, you know, getting the perfect print onto the bottom of the cup? Oh, there were a lot of learnings. I mean, it was fairly difficult um, out the gate to really spec out the parameters of this and to really understand the technology. But, you know, I would say probably a six month learning curve. And, you know, and we're, we're, we're continuously learning about technology and what's possible and what's not, you know, what's a problem or what's an issue. But we have the mindset at Smart Cups where there's no real problem that can't be solved. It just takes time and it takes some creativity and innovation. Well, you never know where your path might lead. So I want to fast forward again, if you don't mind. Once you had the idea of printing something on a cup, what steps did you have to take to actually get a prototype in your hands? Yeah, it took about it took about two years to build out our manufacturing equipment. It took about, I would say, five months to really build out the, the layout and the facility. Yeah, so you mentioned earlier you had to build your equipment from scratch, but does that really mean from scratch or were you able to repurpose similar equipment? No, no, no. We had to build everything from scratch. No, this wasn't stuff that you could just go to like a, a manufacturer and say, hey, yeah, this this model that, you know, no, everything's built from scratch. And so, you know, it was, a, it was like a two year project to really get from A to, to Z for our, our initial uh, equipment. And just building out the, the facility because, you know, we, we didn't fit any of the regulatory boxes that are standard, right? You know, are we a food? Are we a beverage? A dry, wet? You know, so I really had to walk with, you know, the city, the county, the health board, the FDA, the fire authority, and really walk them through, you know, air quality department and, and really walk them through and explain how this doesn't fit any of their boxes. And, you know, I brought in three expert contracting groups that just are experts in building clean rooms and, and food manufacturing facilities. And they quoted me all sorts of crazy numbers and they gave me all sorts of crazy timelines. And that's when my partner looked at me and he said, well, you're smart, go figure it out. And so figured out what all the governmental agencies wanted and got all approvals in you know, three months really, and did all the build out for our facility. And then by that time, the equipment was ready. And so we were able to go live. So now that you're manufacturing the cups, you want to get it out into John Q. Public's hands. How do you explain to them what it is? So if you go on our website, there is an explanation about the, the technology. And we're doing a better job at explaining it so that someone without a technical background or a layman can just take a look and be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So what we do is we take a, there's a, an amphiphilic polymer proprietary that's grass, uh, generally regarded as safe by the FDA. It's, it's plant-based and it does a really good job at creating a shell and that shell can hold the ingredients. And because it's amphiphilic, which means that it accepts and repels water. It does a really nice job of protecting the ingredients inside. And when it comes in contact with a liquid, you know, water specifically, it activates releasing the ingredients. And there's a, there's a effervescent component to it that creates this self-stirring mechanism. So it's a, it's, you have to think of it in terms of micro capsules, micro shells, 
um, that activate when they come in contact with water and release what's inside those shells. Wait, self-stirring like Alka-Seltzer or what? Yeah, self-stirring. So there's an effervescent component that creates this almost like vortex kind of mechanism that takes the ingredients that are being released in the shell and disperse it equally throughout the vessel that it's in. So you just add water and then you, 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 know, you have what it is that you want. Sorry, I don't know if you heard that, but that was my mind exploding. Huh. That's incredible. So something that's intriguing to me, uh, so it's the shell, as you said, is plant-based material, and then so is the cup, right? Yeah, so the cup, so we don't make the physical cups. We source the cups from a company called Fabrical, and they, they produce uh, a plant-based bioplastic. And so when I launched with Smart Cups and understanding the sustainability impact the technology has, in eliminating liquid transportation, reducing storage and transportation requirements, I really wanted to pick a cup where wasn't a normal plastic cup, wasn't a paper cup so that people can see the reaction inside inside that was happening, right? And so I settled on a plant-based bioplastic. And so they use um, cornstarch to create this. It's, it, there's no petroleum in the cup. And so it's a much more environmentally friendly product than than normal plastic, but we're not limited to just those types of cups. We can print on paper, we can print on aluminum, we can print on, you know, you name it, we can print on it. And we're not limited to just printing inside of a cup. We can print on pretty much any surface, a flat surface, a three-dimensional surface. So it really is like Willy Wonka's wallpaper, you know, so we can make the schnozberries taste like schnozberries. Shout out to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory there. So it's interesting that you can print on nearly any materials, but do you? We're still just in the cups for now. Um, but like I mentioned, we have a pretty rich pipeline of, of uh, products that we're going to be rolling out with. Um, and so we do. We are currently working on a number of uh, projects for some of the bigger companies and paper we're printing on. We're printing on some flat surfaces. You know, for example, I've, I've printed chocolate and marshmallow flavor on graham crackers. I've printed um, actives on pieces of gum. You know, I've printed, you know, cheese and chicken flavor on tortilla chips. So, um, you know, uh, it really is an endless technology. I mean, just today, somebody was presenting me with uh, printing car fresheners. And so we're investigating, you know, printing car fresheners to, you know, release the fragrance and the aroma um, in a car. And so we're going to start doing some of that prototype. Wow. Printing fragrance. Interesting. But what would that add to the car air freshener industry? So that's yet to be determined. Um, uh, my assumption is that it would be a longer shelf life uh, for the aroma, a slow release, correct? Um, so we're, we're in the preliminary stages right now and just trying to see what all the different applications. I mean, I've printed laundry detergent on t-shirts. So, you know, after you're done with your shirt, you could just put it in the washer and just, you know, how practical those applications are. I don't know, you know. Yeah, but, you know, um, I had a retired NBA player come into my office a couple months ago and I was, you know, he has his own clothing line and I wanted to print on clothes just to demonstrate all the different surfaces that we could print on. And he asked me if I could print gold. And I said, you know, why would you do that? Because the second you walk out in the rain, you're pissing away your, you know, your, your money. And he looked at me and he goes, baller status. And I went, well, this is so stupid. I like it. 
and I'm sold. And so the next day I, I just sourced a couple grams of uh, gold and we printed them inside of a smart cup and, you know, printed about a gram of gold in each smart cup. So you're, you know, the world's most expensive smart cup was like 60 bucks, you know? <laughs> um, but, you know, just to demonstrate all the different things that we could do that are possible. So of all the things that you can do, what kind of products could people buy if they go to your website today? Right now, all we offer is an energy drink line. They come in uh, multiple flavors. Um, and then in November, we launched a line of uncaffeinated kind of fa family friendly uh, beverages uh, that have vitamin C, calcium and um, D printed inside of them. So we have a watermelon and a sour apple flavor. And I did that because so many times, you know, I have three kids. They'd watch me, you know, drink a smart cup or they'd watch other people drink a smart cup. And how comfortable are you really giving caffeine to a child? Right. So I said, you know, there has to be, you know, we should develop a, a non-caffeinated version so that the kids can enjoy the a smart cup experience the same way that an adult can. Right. So one of the things that comes to my mind when I think about your product is, you know, a mom going to the beach, you don't have to pack all those liquids with you anymore. Right. You know, yeah. if there's a drinking fountain, a water fountain, all you have to do is pack these cups and you're good to go or going on a hike. You know, it's you know, you don't all these liquids aren't weighing you down anymore. Yep. So let's talk about the adult beverage side of this. I see Mike Tyson is out there promoting the CBD and cannabis aspect to this. You mind talking about that? Yeah. So the Tyson Ranch Company has been very supportive and uh, of the technology. And in that industry, one of the biggest issues that plagues them is consistency and dosing, right? Uh, specifically for edibles. And so I realized that this was an opportunity for us to get into solving a dosing issue to showcase the pharmaceutical applications, you know, because, you know, years ago, you know, in Colorado, you had chocolate companies that were selling chocolate bars as as a medicine, essentially, before recreational was approved and random regulatory, you know, tests were showing that the chocolate bars were variable between, you know, you know, the chocolate bar said 120 milligrams you know, the variance was between 60 to 300. So that's a huge variance, especially if you're selling something as a medicine, right? And I said, bingo, that's our, you know, proof of concept for pharmaceuticals, because the same way we can print inside of a cup, we can print on a, on the surface of a chocolate bar or a gummy or, or a cookie uh, piece of gum, right? And presented this technology to the Tyson Ranch people. They, they, they loved it. They saw it as an opportunity to further differentiate themselves in the market, in the industry, really, as, as leaders of, you know, and rooted in science. And so, you know, they, they, they acquired the license uh, to print, you know, cannabis um, and specifically CBD. And so we're kind of just waiting in the sidelines, waiting for the FDA to rule on the consumption of CBD. And then we'll, you know, start you know, commercializing some CBD printed products. And so, you know, an electrolyte printed with CBD, uh, a coffee printed with CBD, uh, you know, a melatonin cup printed with CBD. And, you know, so the, the, the cool thing is that when we print like a CBD or a THC, you know, we can tell you within, you know, 1% variance, if we tell you it's 50 milligrams, it's 50 fr freaking milligrams, right? Because, if you're going to sell something as a medicine or a nutraceutical or a supplement or you're consuming anything, you want to know exactly what it is that you're putting in your body. You know, Tylenol, you know, the, 
whatever the dosage is in in Florida and <laughs> you know in Miami is the same dosage that you're going to get from Tylenol in you know Slovakia you know so you know there's that standardization that's very much so lacking in um in in that in the cannabis industry and so uh, I saw it and I viewed it as an opportunity for us to really prove out and demonstrate all the different capabilities of the technology um and you know I've I've come on board to, to help them build out their CBD extraction facility. And they're doing a, a lot of really cool things that, um, you know, will come out to light here uh, very shortly in terms of the, the purity and their quality of the products that they're producing. So it's a pretty exciting partnership. Um, Mike's great. Everybody over there is great. And it's, it's, a, it's a happy marriage. Have you seen an uptick in sales since Tyson got involved? Uh, what I will say is that we have seen an uptick in awareness of smart cups. Predominantly, you know, when we launched, we we saw that our our demographic and the people that were buying smart cups were predominantly female. You know, twenty five to forty five. Why do you think that is? Uh, I think it's because women, you know, predominantly, you know, moms, right, busy moms, who need energy. They've got a crazy, hectic schedule. They've got crazy kids. And they're always on the go and they see this as a cool alternative, a tastier alternative to coffee and something they could just pack with them and at their convenience, just add water on the go. You know, obviously, you know, traditional energy drinks from some of the more popular brands are loaded with sugar and have some pretty controversial ingredients in them, right? We don't have any of those ingredients. So, you know, our energy drink line is sugar-free, low carb, low calorie. And so I feel like a lot of moms gravitate towards that. And but with the with the Tyson uh, campaign that we did, it opened up a lot of different doors for the male demographic. So a lot more men are aware of what it is we're doing and what Smart Cups is about. All right, I could see that. So I want to jump to the employee side of things, if you don't mind. I'm a firm believer that a company is only as good as its employees. So who do you have working with you to get this product made and out there into the hands of the public? And also, how many employees do you have? Yeah, so roughly 20. We have a, a combination of you know everybody from administrative, legal, um, marketing to production. Yeah, so I've seen your building, and it, it's a pretty big building. What's your production line look like? Is there a lot going on in there? I mean, from beginning to end, you know, mixing the product to printing the product to packaging the product to fulfilling the product to, to the end consumer. So we do everything in-house, you know, um, making sure all the cups are of quality and meet the standards that we've set uh, so that our customers can, you know, have a consistent experience each and every time. So it's uh, very much so just like any other typical beverage production line. And then, you know, we have, you know, some more professional skilled, specific skilled uh, positions at, at Smart Cups, you know, from science to, to, to marketing to, you know, uh, logistics and engineering. But, you know, the, the, the one cool thing that I will say about everybody at Smart Cups is, you know, when it was just me working at my kitchen table, I, I, I only had to depend on myself and, and depend on my own passion for Smart Cups. But, you know, it's, it's great because I have a, a great team of people um, it's been very humbling and they all share in my passion for this technology and and really believe in what this technology will do to positively impact our, our planet. So do you have like a think tank in there with your employees talking about awesome new things to print? Absolutely. You know, we have a, 
a really open door policy where, you know, somebody comes up with an idea, we want to hear it. We want to see if it's possible. You know, just like uh, the retired NBA player that I, uh, I talked about, he said, can you print gold? I've never done it before, but sure. Why the fuck not? Let's go try it. So what was the actual image that you printed in gold? It was our standard um, uh, standard image at the bottom. It was just, you know, the hexagons. Could you print words and logos if you wanted to? That's something that we've done, and that's something that we're planning on mass producing here. So, for example, you know, you you want to do a promotional cup. You're Nike, and you want to do a promotional electrolyte cup. You know, we can take the actual ingredients and turn them into the Nike swoosh sign, right? Or, you you know, you're McDonald's and you want to do a, you know, we can make, you know, kids drinks with the McDonald's arches at the bottom of the cup. You add water, they dissolve, and there could be a message at the bottom, right? So there's all sorts of, like, really cool nifty things that we can do. Very cool. So if you wanted to get the word out there to companies, how are you doing that right now? How are you advertising and promoting? When we, when, when we launched... Um, our whole go-to-market strategy was based on our production capabilities. And so I could make, uh, you know, 50 to 100 of these things in a laboratory setting. And then we had to go to a couple thousand, but obviously a couple thousand in a shift doesn't satisfy large-scale, you know, volumes. So I really wanted to control it. So we go direct to consumer. So we we really focused on digital marketing, email marketing, uh, social media to really get the word out. And so that's how we primarily market smart cups right now. And luckily, you know, a number of like high profile social media personalities have taken on to smart cups. They love it. They share it with their audiences. And, you know, that's how we're getting the bulk of our sales and the word out. You know, once we get our large scale manufacturing equipment, then we can start engaging with some larger, you know, volume uh, distribution opportunities and, you know, do a little bit more creative and, and wide scale marketing, you know, television ads. You know, I'd love to have a Super Bowl commercial here in the next, you know, two to three years. You know, that really explains what Smart Cups is and how it's going to impact our world. Wow, that's a huge leap forward. So there's so many different ways about talking about what your product is. You know, in the name, you have cups, but it's not really about the cup. It's about the printing inside of the cup. So how do you, uh, do you have any misconceptions about what the product is and how do you go about addressing that? Well, it's twofold, right? Launching a new technology that never existed before under a brand with zero footprint poses a number of different problems. You know, this was a technology that previously had only ever existed in like uh, the Jetsons or Star Trek or Back to the Future, right? And no one had ever heard of smart cups before. So, you know, we're trying to work on the, you know, for somebody who's looking at it for the first time, especially since the name of our company is Smart Cups, people think that we make the physical cups. And so what we're providing are cups, and that's not what it is. We're, we're a printing sustainability solutions technology, right? So, you know, we're working towards explaining to people we're not an energy drink company, we're not a cup company. And, you know, we have our individual products, but I think looking long term, it'll be a lot more white labeling where we partner with existing companies to, to get the word out. Well, when you talk about smart cups, it sounds like the future is already here. But let's talk the future. Where do you see smart cups going? I, I see um, adoption by, you know, the multinationals who are serious about sustainability. You know, sustainability has turned into a buzzword. 
you know, more people are scrutinizing uh, consumer packaging now, right? And so, you know, this technology presents an interesting opportunity for some of the larger companies to reduce their consumer packaging, to truly be committed to sustainability, to reduce liquid transportation, right? And so I see adoption globally of this technology. I see a number of different applications coming to market, you know, so, you know, a lot of really cool things um, over the next, I, I really think that in the next five years, this technology will become globally accepted and, and adopted. So you've talked about sustainability and the the vessel that it's in, the cup that it's in has a lot to do with that, right? It's the plant-based cup. Let's yeah. talk about that a little bit. Let's tell our listeners, <clears throat> me, more about that. Because I have enough average Joe knowledge to know that plastic bottles, say, are not good for the environment and, and the ocean. You know, the, the oceans are filling up with these plastic yep. bottles. What would happen if a plant-based cup ended up in the ocean? Well, it depends what kind of cup it would be, right? If it was our current cup, over a period of time, they would degrade. I mean, it is plant-based, so I guess an animal could eat it. <laughs> well, let's print some fish food on there for them. Right. So what's the recycling process on that? Because, you know, somebody looks at your cup and they see a piece of plastic and they're just like, oh, I'm going to throw this in the recycle bin and I trust that it's going to get into the right hands and, you know, it's going to be recycled. But obviously, plant-based product is different. So bioplastic is not recycled in the same way that normal plastic is recycled. So it, it is commercially compostable. So the Fabrical cup would would need to be uh, recycled in a commercially compostable facility that has capabilities for that. You know, when we move to paper, we make a paper product, you know, it'll be recycled in the same way as normal paper, right? If we use recyclable, recycled uh, uh, products, um, it would be recycled in that fashion, right? So it's it's a lot of different possibilities and a lot of different variations. Yeah, so I have a Keurig at home, and you know the the Keurig has these big plastic pods, you know, that the coffee comes in. And something that I've been using lately, a product I found recently, is it's called Wide Awake. This coffee, and the pod is one hundred percent compostable. And well, the the coffee's good, but honestly, the main reason I buy it is because the vessel is. 100% compostable, and I feel better about it while I'm drinking my coffee. Yeah, you know, the, 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 what people need to do, you know, what people need to realize is not only can we deliver a great tasting product that is functional as well, but they can feel good about what they're consuming because it's going to positively impact our environment. There's not going to be a, a negative impact. So, you know, that's something that we have to educate consumers on and really explain to them what what what's going on with Smart Cups. Well, let's do that. Let's let our listeners know where they can go to get more knowledge about Smart Cups. Yeah, so it's just Smart Cups, uh, smartcups.com. Um, and, you know, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I don't personally have those, but, you know, our company does. So, you know, if anybody wants to check out some of the videos, some of the things, you know, I think there's a TikTok too. So if anybody wants to check us out on TikTok, we're on there. You know, our staff creates videos that are really funny and interesting. So different recipes for Smart Cups that they can do. Um, yeah, so just check us out there. If they want to try some Smart Cups, just go to our website. And uh, we always love feedback. So we're always wanting to hear what people think. Cool, man. Well, before we go, I want to ask, do you have any advice for any of our listeners who might have a big idea that they want to get out there? Yeah, don't quit. It's not easy. And, you know, 
in my office, I have a, a quote from the Rocky movie, you know, life's rough and life's tough. And it's not about how many times you get knocked down, but how many times you get back up. And so, you know, the winners in life are the ones that just keep moving no matter how many times they knock, get knocked down. Well, Chris, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast and talking about smart cups. I feel like the future of the beverage industry is here and you're at the forefront of it and I couldn't be happier for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Geez, Louise, that was fascinating. I'm definitely going to keep my eye on smart cups because I see big things happening for them. Amazing stuff. I would like to thank you, the listener, for joining us today for this incredible small business story. Now, a special note for this episode. At this point, I would usually suggest you hit subscribe to hear future episodes. But this week, and we're mid-March 2021, we learned that Apple is changing something up in their Apple Podcast app in their next iOS update. They're changing their subscribe function to follow. Apparently, they found that many people are hesitant to subscribe because they're afraid it's going to charge them, like a magazine subscription would. So it seems like Apple is leaning toward social media language with asking you to follow. And all podcasters are going to have to change their verbiage. So here we go. You ready? Don't forget to follow My Bright Idea in your podcast app so you can hear all of my upcoming episodes with more fun and inspirational stories from small business owners. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. If you'd like to see our guest bios and be part of the discussions behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook. Just type in My Bright Idea and join the group. I've also created social media accounts for the podcast on Instagram. I think that's just My Bright Idea Podcast. I think you just search for that. And Twitter at My Bright Idea Pod. I couldn't say podcast because it was too many letters. I don't know why they limit that, but whatever. I've already posted some content on both of those, but if I really figure out how to use those apps, you'll be seeing more there from me. And if anybody wants to teach me how to do that, reach out. I'm all ears. If you or anyone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please visit mybrightideapodcast.com. Go to Be a Guest and submit your story there. And if you'd like to buy me a cup of coffee, you can do that at my website as well. Thank you, everyone. I wish all of you an abundance of success and happiness. See you next time.